may seem just a little disconnected from this day, but today we do bring to a close our study in uh, the book of Philippians, and we're going to start even in a stranger way by beginning with a reminder that in Paul's farewell to the Ephesian elders, he said, I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. In everything, I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that he himself said, it is more blessed to give and to receive. Now, when Jesus said that, we don't know. We have no record of it in the Gospels. But that's, that really shouldn't surprise us. John concluded his Gospel by saying, And there are many other things which Jesus did, which, if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books which were written. I'm sure we have only a small portion of what Jesus said as well. And Paul preserved this gem for us. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That is certainly true. But let's not kid ourselves. It's also a blessing to receive. In fact, all are blessed in sharing, the recipient, the giver, and even the Lord, if the gift is given to honor him or to further his work. And Paul makes that clear when concluding his letter to the Philippians. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. And you yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Paul said he was blessed by the Philippians' gift. He said, nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. And you yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent. 
Even though Paul coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes and was content, even when hungry, still he greatly appreciated the Philippians' gift. He was in affliction, and their gift brought much relief. Not only did it help meet his physical needs, it also no doubt met some emotional needs. You remember, Paul was a prisoner. Now, it's true he wasn't in a dungeon at this time, nor was he cut off from everyone who cared about him, but his contacts were limited, and it brought him great joy to be remembered by the Philippians. They were very special to him. From the beginning, they had demonstrated their love for him in in very practical ways. When he left Philippi, they saw to it that his physical needs were met. Even when he was just down the road in Thessalonica, they sent him gifts more than once. They knew Paul would not take gifts from the Thessalonians while preaching the gospel to them. He didn't want them to think he was in town to fleece them. So they took it upon themselves to send him support. After all, They'd been Christians for several weeks by that time and felt a real need to spread the message to others. And they could do that by supporting Paul. So they sent him gifts when he was in Thessalonica and then saw to it that he had what he needed when he left the province of Macedonia for the cities of Athens and Corinth. No doubt they had also sent him other gifts as well over the intervening ten years. And now they had sent a gift by the hand of Epaphroditus to Paul, who was in Rome. Through their generosity, Paul said he was now amply supplied. He'd been content while suffering need, but now he was blessed in abundance. And you know, one State is no more righteous than the other. There was no need to keep Paul poor, to keep him humble, as some used to think preachers should be kept. Fortunately, that's changed. Paul had learned to get along in humble means and also how to live in prosperity. He could be filled or hungry, in abundance or need, and still be content and still trust in the Lord. He could do all things. He could handle anything through Christ who strengthened him. He was, however, blessed as the recipient of their love. And the material gifts. But he wasn't the only one who was blessed by their sharing. They, the givers, were blessed as well. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. And my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Paul didn't seek the gift. He was content 
without it. But what he did seek for was what the Philippians would gain through giving. He wanted them to discover the profit, the fruit that comes to the giver through giving. So he taught on the importance of giving, not so he would get more, but so the giver would be blessed. He told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, to instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. He instructed Christians to be generous, to share to give. And he warned us that the love of money was the root of all sorts of evil. And that some, by longing for it, had wandered away from the truth and pierced themselves, he said, with many a pang. <laughs> he knew the danger of laying up treasure on earth. So he echoed the teaching of Christ in the Sermon on the Mount. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon the earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Christ taught us to invest our treasure in heaven so our heart would be there. Now, notice he didn't say invest your treasure where your heart is. He said invest it where you want it to be. Where you put your treasure is where your heart will be. Your heart follows your treasure. If you put all your treasure in the things of this world, that's where your heart will be. If, on the other hand, a sizable portion of your income is put into the things of heaven, that is where your heart will be. So what constitutes a sizable Portion. How much an investment do we have to make for our heart to follow? Well, we don't find a limit in Scripture, but we do find a minimum. The Old Testament required that a tithe, which is 10% of a person's income, be given for the support of the tabernacle and the work of the priests. And Levites. The prophet Malachi even went so far as to say that if a man wasn't giving his tithe, he was robbing God. 
now. It's true that we are not commanded to tithe in the New Testament. We are no longer under the law. But proportional giving is taught. And 10% is a sizable, reasonable portion. Besides, if it took 10% of the people's income to support a ministry among the Israelites, surely it will take at least that much to support a ministry with a worldwide mission today. And the promise of Malachi 3.10 did not expire with the coming of the church. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Paul essentially made the same promise when after Noting the Philippians' generosity, he said, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Malachi made it clear that if God's people would express their faith in him by giving up 10% of their income, he would meet their needs with the remaining 90%. And then he went on to share another very interesting promise from God. Then I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it may not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in its field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. Now, obviously, that's framed for an agricultural economy. But I think we can find in it a promise that God will make what we have left after giving our tithe go further because He will keep unexpected losses in check. Now, that's not a guarantee that we'll never have financial problems. We can find ourselves in financial difficulties for many reasons some of which we bring upon ourselves. But I do think what David said in Psalm 37, 25 is still true. I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. Now that doesn't mean we may never be hungry. Paul New hunger. But it does mean we can be content even while hungry. We won't have to beg for bread because we know God will eventually meet our need. And He will do so according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He has the resources to meet our every need so we can go ahead and be generous. We can share. We can give. 
We can know the joy of helping spread the gospel through our giving. We can participate in the ministry of others through our financial investment. We don't have to be afraid to give. In his commentary on Philippians, Brian Harbour makes this point with a a very powerful illustration. Maxie Jarman of Nashville, Tennessee, who died at the age of 76, was an internationally known Christian businessman. He took a company from 75 employees to 75,000 employees. His company, Genesco, in the late 1960s, was the world's largest apparel company. During his heyday, Maxie Jarman gave away millions. He built churches around the world and gave generously to all kinds of Christian causes. Then he experienced financial reverses. He lost his company and most of his personal fortune. During the darkest days of his financial crunch, he was asked by a personal friend if he ever thought of the millions he had given away. Jarman answered, of course I have. But remember, I didn't lose a penny I gave away. I only lost what I kept. (laughs) I think that is great. And Brian goes on to say that is the paradox of Christian discipleship. What we give, we keep. What we let go of, we hold on to. When we're willing to empty ourselves, we become full. That's what Paul wrote to the Philippians. He was grateful for their gifts to him because in giving these gifts to him, the Philippians enriched their own lives. The recipient was blessed. The giver was blessed. And the Lord was blessed. Paul spoke of the Philippians' gift being a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Burnt offerings in the Old Testament were said to be a soothing aroma to God. They brought him pleasure. At least they did when they were offered in love and accompanied by lives that honored him. If they were empty gestures or attempts to bribe God, they were rejected and displeasing to God. The Philippians' gift was a fragrant aroma to God because of the manner in which it was given. They knew how to give in a way that pleased God. When writing to the Corinthians, Paul spoke of the Macedonians, which would include the Philippians. They're giving to help the saints in Jerusalem who are facing famine. In 2 Corinthians 8, he said, Now, brethren... We wish to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, 
that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much entreaty for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. And this, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. They gave more than a token from their excess. They gave themselves to the Lord, and that is what made their gift an acceptable sacrifice. God was pleased with their gift because it expressed their deep love for him, for the kingdom, and for Paul. God is blessed by our giving. It pleases him when given cheerfully and given in such a way that he is glorified. Again, writing to the Corinthians, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9, Now this I say, He who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Let each one do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Take note of that. The abundance is so you can do for others. As it is written, he scattered abroad. He gave to the poor. His righteousness abides forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Because the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all. God is blessed praised, and thanked when his people are faithful in their giving. So all are blessed in sharing. The recipient is blessed, the giver is blessed, and the Lord is blessed. On that note, Paul closes his letter to the Philippians. He offers a doxology in verse 20, a greeting in verses 21 and 22, and a benediction in verse 23. Now to our God and Father 
be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. I believe the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is best seen in our spirit when we are giving, when we are sharing. Now, Jesus was praised on the road to Jerusalem by people waving palm branches and shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. No doubt he was blessed by their praises. But he is perhaps even more blessed by his people when they share his blessing with others. So not only do we offer him our praises this morning, but we ask him to make of us a blessing to others. Thank you.